with me to Ezekiel 37. Now the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And then he caused me to pass by all around them and behold there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied and I commanded as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was also no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come into the four winds. Come from the four winds. O breath and breathe on these slain. That they may live. And so I prophesied as he had commanded me. And breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. And then he said to me. Son of man. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, behold all my people. I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And when I had opened your graves, O my people, and brought you from your graves, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land and then you shall know that I am the Lord and I have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word today. I want to speak to you about being the the people that God has for you to be as you follow Christ. I want to speak to every person that's here this morning. I want to speak to every person that listens to this podcast later. You might listen to this three or four years from now. From now. The, the message that I'm speaking today is the same message that you need to hear. It's a message that says this. The way that things are in our world are not the way that they're supposed to be. The way that, the, the, listen to me. People were not meant to encounter brokenness just over and over and over again and get used to it. If we, if we were, there wouldn't be hospitals, right? Hospitals, doctors, the, the medical profession exist to see people that are physically or maybe mentally broken raised back up into a place of health. If you agree with me, say amen. That's why I'm saying we're, we're not, the way things are in the world are not the way that we need them to be, that we want them to be, that we mean them to be. And so God has given a a capacity to the church that we're not understanding 
for how we're supposed to be operating in this capacity. It's, a, it's not a capacity of indifference. It's not even a, a capacity that creates difficulty within the believer. It's a capacity that begins with a refusal to see things in the spirit the same way we're already seeing things in the natural. And I've lived in this region almost my entire life. I was born here. I, I graduated high school here. Went away for a few short years to get trained for ministry. And then unbeknownst to me, God was sending me back to this place. And I'm not saying this arrogantly. I'm saying this confidently because I know the call that God has on my life. And I know the call that God has on your life. And it's not a call to mediocrity. But it's a call that God is calling us to, to see things around us catalytically change because we're there. And I wanted to bring this message to you this morning because it's the same place that this prophet found himself in at that moment. Everything physically around him in the culture of the people of God and that country was broken. Now I came to say this, and this might not be popular, but Donald Trump's not going to be the one that changes our country, nor will the next president, nor will the one after that. It doesn't matter the color of their skin or whether they're a male or a female, how many businesses or governments or things that they've turned around. The only thing that's going to turn around what's happening in our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I came to talk to you about that answer today, but I want to talk to you specifically about the accountability we have as believers to that answer in the world. It's the same accountability that uh, the prophet had in Ezekiel 37 here, but he didn't understand that he had an accountability, right? Sometimes we feel like God's just kind of taking us along on a journey and we just get to watch. That's why it's important to understand in a sporting event who's, who's on the field and who's the coach and who's the spectator, amen? The, the body of Christ is not a spectator, just a spectator to what God's doing in the world, but we've been called to be engaged into the good news of Jesus Christ in such a way that everywhere we go, we're carrying the good news of Jesus into that place. That means there is no bad place to go as long as God is sending us into that place. There is no bad season as long as God is putting us into that place. It could be a place of discomfort, but I'm telling you, most of the places where the gospel needs to go are not comfortable places. And we become, we learn to become comfortable in uncomfortable places because we've allowed the spirit of this world. Some places in the scripture, it's called the spirit of this world. Some places in the scripture, it's called the spirit of Jezebel. We've allowed the spirit to silence the voice of the church. And the voice of the church, and I know I'm speaking to the church, and I know I'm leading in the church, but I'm just going to be blunt with you because that's how you'll get it from me. The voice of the church outside of the church 
has been quenched and covered and silenced in more places than it still exists. It's astronomically higher, the places where hands have been covering over the mouths of the believers for so long that it's muffled and quenched the, the, the truth, the gospel, the good news. It was the same thing that was happening in this period of time in, in Ezekiel 37. In fact, it had gotten so bad that the prophetic picture that Ezekiel was shown in this chapter that we just read, it says that there was a valley full of bones. I mean, you think about it, it would make the news if there was some bones found in a room, in a place. But God's showing Ezekiel, he's saying, no, no, it's much worse than something that would that would perplex the culture today. It's much worse. They're, they're blinded. It's They don't understand, right? Revelation chapter 3 talks about this. It says, you, 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 you think that you don't need anything, but really you need everything that you don't have and you don't need what you have. And you need to ask me, you need to pursue me to purify you that you could purchase from me gold that's been refined in the fire because right now you're naked and you're poor and you're wretched and you're blind. And I think if the Holy Spirit were to reveal to us today not in a judgmental way, but in, with great compassion, the way that, the, the, the way that God the Father is looking at the body of Christ today, it would see very much so in many places of the globe, a body that's naked and that's poor and that's wretched and that's blind. Beyond that, the scripture says that Jesus would look at a, a, a crowd of people and he would look on them with great compassion and he would be moved inside of himself with compassion because they were harassed and they were helpless. When we think about Ezekiel 37, I think about the first thing that God wants us to know is that we need to have eyes to see. I'm not talking about eyes that see in the natural. I'm talking about seeing eyes that see through prayer that see through worship, that see through the Spirit of God, that have the capacity to, to walk into a workplace and see a culture totally different than the culture that was being judged the week before. I'm talking about eyes to walk in through prayer and through worship and through the Spirit of God to walk down the street of a city and not see people that are losing, but people that are broken in an environment that's never been set up for success because it's never been based around the cross of Christ. Talking about compassion, right? But compassion doesn't just come because it's something that religious people muster. Compassion comes because it's something that the Spirit of God allows us to see within the eyes of our heart. And we begin to see, we begin to see and survey brokenness. We begin to see and survey brokenness in, in young people or in a school or in a school system. We begin to survey and see brokenness in the, in the, in the, in the neighborhood around us. We begin to survey and see brokenness in, 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 the, in, the, in the people, in, in our circles of influence at work or in, in whatever circles of influence God has given us. And some of you, God's given you multiple, multiple influence circles of influence in your life 
he's like, how are you seeing what I've given you? That's what I just am moved by the Holy Spirit to ask this morning. How are you seeing what I've given you? How are you seeing the businesses that I've given you? How are you seeing the children that I've given you? How are you seeing the job that I've given you? And sometimes I'm just going to be honest with you. We wonder, is this job from God? Sometimes we wonder, I'm not sure if I was supposed to have kids, right? Or did I, you know, did you, did I, uh, I'm not sure if I was supposed to buy this thing. I'm not sure. There's an uncertainty that we're called into because we're not seeing with the, with the eyes of compassion the supernatural eyes that God has for us to see. We're not seeing with those eyes in such a way we're like, we're like I, I know I'm supposed to be here. I know it's no wonder God put me in this city. It's no wonder God put us together. It's no wonder, it's no wonder why real life church exists. It's no wonder. It's no wonder why God's put you into that job that you were doubting about. It's no wonder, right? It's no wonder why none of those people know Jesus. That's why he put you there. It's no wonder, right? He didn't put you there to become like them. He put you there so that they could see him and become like you because he's alive in you. He put you there to be an influence, right? It's no wonder that he gave you those children because he's put a seed inside of your family that's going to continue to change the world. It's no wonder, right? But the first thing that we have to do is say, God, take me out over, take me out over the problem and show me the problem. Show me the brokenness, right? Show me the pain. Show me the the hurting. Sometimes we get so blinded by the thing, that, the thought that we think that there's something easier. There's an easier way to do something. I've just learned in these, even in these just last few years of following Jesus, he's constantly giving opportunities and opening doors, but I don't see them because I discount them. And I say, well, this couldn't come from that. I'm praying for this thing. I'm going to keep praying. And you know what? God can produce from these little acts of obedience over here the fulfillments and the answers to every prayer that you're praying. But, but, but we can't do that if we're not seeing. He's not calling you to blind obedience. Faith isn't blind. Whoever said that faith is blind doesn't know Jesus. He informs my faith all of the time. The Holy Spirit's the one that draws me to faith. I don't wake up in the morning and say, what can I have faith for? I wake up in the morning and he puts something into me. Like I'm believing God for this thing. My faith was informed. It's not blind. My faith is not ignorant. It's at a higher level of reasoning than my mind could ever think. But what we have to do is begin to get the eyes for what we're supposed to be seeing. Listen to me, it's a choice. It's a choice. The first thing that we have to do is choose to be willing to see. Choose to be willing to see. And if you're going to see, the Bible says that the Spirit of God caught Ezekiel up. It caught him up and it took him out over this valley. You know what? A valley is the lowest place, right? But, but in fact, if God takes you up over that valley, you are going to get the best view from every angle of what needs to change. And God took him into this place. Here's something I know. It's a, there's a cost 
to elevation. There's a cost to going higher. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to to being able to see, right? There's a cost to these things. Excuse me if I'm a little bit passionate this morning, but I just feel this. There's a a price that, that Jesus paid the price for salvation, but there's a cost to following Jesus, and it's everything. And sometimes we just get lulled into this thing that it's just some things, sometimes. And it's like, oh, God's not calling me to put that on the altar in this season. No, God's called you to live from the altar, so you have to put everything on the altar. It has to be placed there and consumed there and you're consumed there and you live from that place. There's a cost to, to going higher. We talked about that a little bit last week. There's a cost to getting to the place where you're able to see. You're not going to see from the bottom the same things you're going to see from another elevation. There's a cost to getting out and above everything else. It's, it's integrity. There's a cost to getting, you know, on the top of what's going on. It means it's overcoming. You had, to, you had to get on top of some problems that you were dealing with to get to the elevation. You know, that's what God does is he'll use obstacles for overcomers to get higher. And so the enemy thinks he's putting something in your path that's going to block you. But when God looks at it, he sees something that's going to elevate you. That means that there are trials and there are circumstances that we're going through even Even this very day, right, that seems as though the door's been closed or the road's been blocked, but that roadblock's not to stop you. That roadblock's to elevate you because there's another dimension that you're going to have the capacity to see around when you get to that place. But there's a cost. It's easy to stay low. There's a cost. It's easy to stay down. You realize Life doesn't exist in the low places the same way as it does in the high places. In fact, sometimes if we just keep, you know, life will lead you downward, further down, spiral you down even further. In the Middle East, there's a place called the Dead Sea. It's the lowest elevation on the globe. That means... If it's the lowest elevation, let me just give you a little education. If it's the lowest elevation, things flow into it, but nothing flows out of it. I said if it's the lowest place, things can flow into it, but things can't flow out of it. The lowest place is never the healthiest place to stay. That's why as believers, we've been called. The the scripture says the righteous fall seven times but they get seven times back up again, right? There's a a completing and a perfecting in not just the falling, but the getting up again. And sometimes we get around people and they've become accustomed to being beat down and they've decided if I just stay down, I'm talking about in the spirit, not just the physical. If I just stay down, I won't fall. Right? If I just stay down here, I can be miserable and look at all the other miserable people that are around me. But the Dead Sea being the lowest elevation, there's water that flows into it, but nothing out. And because nothing flows out, the, the salinity of the water, the salt content is 35% in such a way that only the smallest and a few types of bacteria can live there. But practically no life in the Dead Sea. Why? Because it's the lowest place. Because life means things flow in, but things flow out. 
This is what we have to understand. We've got to get from a low place to a higher place. I understand that heaven is the highest place, at least when I read my Bible. And I'm not talking in physical elevation. I'm talking about within the, the, the realms of capacity that I have to walk in experience with God, to walk in relationship with Him. And, and He's always calling me into a deeper place of relationship with Him, which is a higher form that I will receive one day when I'm standing before Him. Does that make sense? And I know that God's with me in the low places because I've been through some low places. But I'm just preaching to you and I'm speaking to you today and I'm saying, if you're in a low place, it's time to get up out of the low place and come up just a little bit higher because you're going to see that low place and the pain that you've been dealing with. You're going to see not just your pain, but the suffering around you. Not just the suffering around you, but the suffering that's in the world, the pain, the brokenness, the lostness, in such a way that God's going to begin to stir something up in you that's not just for you, but that's for the world. He's going to begin to, when He begins to show you something, immediately every time, He begins to stir something in you. And God's, God's, God's wanting to show you. See, if the enemy can keep your eyes blinded, right? Then you're, then you're not going to see what you're supposed to be seeing. And you're going to be cursing what you would have been blessing if you could see it. The scripture says in uh, Proverbs 18, 21, that the power of life and death is in the tongue and we eat the fruit thereof. Now, some people carry this way farther than I'm willing to, right? I'm not naming and claiming anything really that's in front of me until God says it. In other words, I'm not naming and claiming something as if it's His just because it seems good. But I'm naming and claiming what He shows me and what He says because if He said it's mine, it's mine. And if it's mine, you can have some, but it's still going to be mine, right? If He said that it was mine, it's mine. If he said it's in front of me, I'm going there. When the disciples are getting into the, into the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus says, come on, get in, we're going to the other side. And they get into the boat, and there's a storm. They forgot that Jesus said they were going to the other side. Right? You can go through storms when you're with Jesus, because he said, if you're going somewhere, I'm promising you, you're going there. If, you, if not, you'll, be, you'll get your name in the Guinness Book of World Records, because you'll be the first person that God's ever failed. If he promised you, he promised you. But what the capacity releases in us is when we begin to see, when we begin to see our job for what God's given it to be instead of for what we've seen it to be in the past, we're able to begin to literally speak blessing over something that probably the day before we were muttering curses about, right? I'm not talking about curses as in like bad words, but I'm talking about in curses like this is never going to be the place that's gonna, that God's going to do. This is never going to be the thing that's going to meet my needs. This is never going to be. And we begin to, we begin to, cut things out and chop things down that God's like I put that there I put those people there I called you into that job site I called you into that place of employment I called you into that school I put you here 
I didn't put you here just because I thought it was going to be the easiest thing for you. I put you here because you said you wanted to follow me. And if you're going to follow me, I want to receive glory from your obedience. And so when we, when we, when we become willing to see the next thing that God wants to do in us is change the way we speak. He wants to change the way. Go ahead and put up number two, Paul. He wants to change the way we speak. We have to be moved to say. Listen, there's a sensitivity in this moment because if we had to eat everything that we've said, most of us would be eating crud for the rest of our life, right? You're not going to eat your way out of the pile of mess that any of us have created. Somebody say amen so we can get over that. But what I am saying is when you begin to see something and I'm not, sometimes we just make the gospel too personal. I'm not talking about you anymore. I'm talking about not what God wants to do in you anymore. I'm talking about what he wants to do through you. And Ezekiel's caught up. He's taken out over this valley of bones that are dry and brittle and stacked deep, right? And there's just bone. You couldn't walk because it's bones everywhere. And they're dry. You know, when I don't know if you've ever been around bones. I haven't been around human bones, but I've been around bones of things that I've hunted. And they're still wet for a while, especially on the inside tomorrow, right? It's a, when they're dry, though, they're dry. There's no life left in them. No capacity whatsoever. And you know what God said to Ezekiel? He said, Ezekiel, what do you say about these bones? Some of us are like, well, that's interesting because it doesn't really matter what we say. It matters what God says, right? It's not what we're learning from this passage today. Because he says, Ezekiel, what do you, what, can these bones live? What do you, what do you think? What do you think? Ezekiel plays the, the God card, so to speak, and he says, well, God, only you know things like that. Is revival ever going to break out in this region the way it's been prophesied? The way for years people have been praying and pr- praying and praying? Can, 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 families, can families be turned around in such a way that the brokenness that's perpetuated generation after generation after generation after generation and, the, and, and can the, I'm not just talking about for one family, but this region is perplexed with alcoholism and drug addiction and pornography. It's infiltrated. It goes from generation to generation to generation. Even in the church, right? There are people that have come to Jesus, but there are still these things that are holding on to them, and they don't. Can these bones live, right? What, what, what do you say? What do you say? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. Let's pray. Let's ask him. The Lord knows. Then he says, Ezekiel, let me tell you what I want you to say. Let me, let me inform what you're seeing with my word. See, that's when faith is not just released, but it's increased. When what we see and God's showing us and he's giving us a faith for it, and then he gives us words from his word, from his mouth, from his spirit to begin to speak over a, a, a valley that's destitute, that's dry, that's broken. There, it's a hopeless valley. It's a hopeless place. It's the lowest place. Well, what do you want me to say? 
Well, I want you to prophesy. I want you to prophesy life's coming back to these bones. How do I do that? I want you to speak to the bones. They're dead. They're dead, God. No, I want you to speak to the bones because my words aren't dead. And if you're, we just sang about this. And if you're speaking what I'm saying, you're echoing life and you can speak life into death. That's why, that's why people will come to me and, and for whatever reason, I'm not sure because I, 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 I have a, I'm not saying I always have the best solutions, but I have a high problem solving capacity. So you show me a problem, I want to find the answer. But then people will come and they'll say, Pastor, our marriage is too far gone and it's broken and it's never going to. And I'm thinking, God, why do you have them here? Because I'm not the guy that's going to like say, okay. Say, God, my finances, look at my finances. Look at, you know, I'm going to have to, and I'm not saying that people do this. Or, you know, that God doesn't have a plan in that, but I'm not the guy to come and say, there's no other option. We're going to have to declare bankruptcy. Not that guy. Not the guy that no, there's no other option. We're going to have to, we're going to have to file for a divorce. There's, there's no other option, right? We're going to have to, we're, we're never going to have the finances that we need, or we're never going to have, or we're never going to have. Not that guy. You're not that guy. You're not that lady. You're not that person. You might not understand this, you might not, but God's put a capacity, a prophetic capacity into every one of us to be able to hear what he's wanting said and to be the voice that says it. This is just not one or two or three people. This is every person that's listening to me right now. And he takes them out over and he says, I want you to, I want you to prophesy to these bones that they're going to come together and what happens? There's a rattling there's a shaking, there's a clacking can you imagine being Ezekiel he's like Lord only you know why didn't you tell me, right? why didn't you tell, like I would have had more faith if you would have told me I believe the spirit of God saying to us this morning I'm showing you, I'm faithful to you I want to show you how things are going to turn around in your family I want to show you how I want to use you in this community I, I want to show you how I am the turnaround artist how when the Holy Spirit comes into a relationship and, and people are faithful to follow that he brings things together and makes things new he says in Revelation 21 behold I make all things new he's the only one that makes new things do you believe that I get tired of, you know, the next latest greatest. Every time we buy something, it's like they come out with the next model and it's newer and it's better and it's more. It's the same thing, right? They didn't make anything new. They just added a sticker, right? They didn't, they didn't make, Dodge didn't make a new truck. They just changed the front clip. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no real new construction methods. It's just another version of the same way they've been building for a long time, but it's new and improved. God doesn't have new and improved for you. God has new for you. God doesn't have new and improved for this community. You know, there's not a better flavor of the church that this community needs. What they need is the life of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that will change that. And so what we put up point three, what we have to begin to see and what we have to begin to know and what we have to begin to do is be moved to do something. It costs something to see something. It costs more to say something. But we have to be moved to do something. 
Come on, we have to be moved by the Holy Spirit. Jesus would look at a crowd and they were harassed and helpless and he was moved to feed, moved to heal, moved to do whatever needed to be done. And I just feel this morning like God's wanting to shift us and, and challenge us because I do believe that as we begin to look, there's a lot of brokenness, not just here, but all around the globe. In fact, sometimes we weigh places here against places other places and we'll say better or worse or I like this or I don't but I think if we were to look under the covers so to speak there's death and brokenness and bones everywhere God's saying can these bones live and what will you do about it because we can do something surely surely we can do something Surely there's vision that God's releasing, and He has, and He is, right? But surely there's more. There's significantly more for us together. There's significantly more uh, for you in your life and the things that you're already engaged in. There's more. Look at somebody and say that there's more. I find it really interesting that if you want to speak spiritually, and when I say interesting, I mean heartbreaking. That around the world right now, every minute, 100 souls pass into eternity without a relationship with Jesus Christ. just wanted to give you some things to think about. Right? found it interesting that when I started pastoring here 14 years ago, there was 106,000 people in Eaton County, and 80,000 of them were unchurched in, in an evangelical Bible-teaching church. But yet today it's worse. There's 109,000 people today and 90,000 plus are unchurched. Some people would look at it and say we're not winning. I'm not concerned with that. I'm looking at a valley of dry bones and I'm saying life in Jesus' name. And I'm prophesying breath in Jesus' name. This isn't something, this isn't something that the Spirit of God's called just pastors to do or just the five-fold ministry to do, but it's something that He's called all of us to do. So that when we walk into a, a, a business meeting tomorrow morning, we're like, hey, in Jesus' name, there's no death in this place. In Jesus' name, all of you are going to know Him. And I'm not saying that you're just going to walk in like a crazy man and start proclaiming these things, but there will be words that you'll speak out loud that will change and shift the direction of you, change and shift the direction of people around you, and change and shift the direction of the region that's around you because there's a reason why you're here. And I'm not just talking about on the face of the earth, but I'm talking about in this place right now, there's a reason why you're here. 40% of the homes with children in Eaton County only have one parent. Is that knocking the one parent? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying significantly even right around us, and most of those are fathers, I'll be honest with you, even though there are single-parent father homes. I understand that. And I understand everybody's doing better than their capacity already. I'm saying this to the rest of this body. I'm saying there is a fatherless generation that's been, that's been brought into this world and that's being raised before our eyes. And they need fathers, Right? So we can, we can see and we can prophesy and we can declare, but what is God calling us to do? 13,000 children in foster care in Michigan this year, right now, and more than 300 of them are ready to adopt, but they don't have a willing family to adopt them. And some of them 
I'm gonna, can I tell you what most of them are? Because I know the foster care and adoption system pretty well. Some of them were special needs. Some of them were teenagers. But God wants us to, God wants us to do something. I, I, I'm creating more questions than I'm giving answers. You're going to get more frustrated if you don't understand. But guys, I, I just want to, I want to end the service today and just ask God to speak to us. On the end of the service today and ask God to, God, tell us, tell me what you want me to do. Show me what you want to show me. You know what this means for us? It means for every one of us that if we're not against an obstacle, that tomorrow or the next day we're going to come up next to an obstacle. We're going to think, oh, maybe I'm supposed to stop here. Get up on top of that obstacle. Get a whole nother perspective of what God is trying to show you. You'll never have enough time. Listen to me. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough rooms in your house. You'll never have enough degrees. You'll never have enough influence. The place that you're coming from will never be well-known enough. You know, you'll never be famous enough. What God wants to do through you, it's not going to matter about your name anyway. What God wants to do through you, it's not going to matter about what you have as long as you understand that a portion of what you have is seed, a portion of your time, a portion of your capacity, a portion of everything that you're capable of, a portion of your finances, a portion of everything is His and it's seed. And when you begin to sow it, He multiplies. You know what doesn't multiply? Nothing doesn't multiply. Put zero into equation, you're always going to end up with zero. Hi, this is Pastor Andy Shaver, and I hope you've enjoyed this message. You know, the greatest joy of our ministry here is to see people encounter God in a relevant way and discover His plans and purposes for their lives. We exist to see their eternities altered through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you can have present and eternal peace no matter what your present circumstances are. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 that he has a heart for the hurting and the broken. The Bible teaches us in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 teaches us that if we confess our sins to him, Jesus is faithful to hear us and forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to do that right now. Until next time, remember God loves you and so do we.